Pamela Cook writes fiction set in places you want to escape to and books that will keep you turning the page. Her novels feature tangled family relationships, the ups and downs of friendship, and they explore issues like grief and loss, belonging and love. Welcome, Pamela. I know something exciting that's coming up. You are running a course in May and it's called Turn Up the Tension. Tell me about this amazing course. So this is a course that I have taught quite a few times now already through uh, Writing New South Wales. I've taught it at the RWA, Romance Writers of Australia conference. And it's a course that always has been really well received, has really helped their writing, helped get, you know, reader engagement. That And the whole idea of it is to get the reader turning a page. So mm. um, I just decided that the format that I'd been teaching it in didn't really allow me to go deep enough with each of the sections, which are now turned into individual modules. So uh, I've kind of taken it back and I'm running it myself and I've um, got eight modules and all of them are quite in-depth on each topic that I cover. And, yeah, I'm running it online because I've found that, you know, especially over the last couple of years with Zoom, people getting so used to doing things online, that's become a really convenient way of people, you know, doing courses and being able to do it from anywhere. doesn't matter Mm. where they live, really. Absolutely. I like that, that anyone can access it no matter where you live. And I also like that you can just wear your pyjamas, you can get your cup of tea and you can learn. So eight weeks, that's pretty intense. Tell me what you're going to learn over that time period. We start with openings and creating that really great hook at the beginning so that the reader is definitely going to want to read on right from the very first sentence. Then we go on to look at uh, characterization. We look at plot. So these are all separate modules. Fourth module is structure, and then we go on to look at scenes and and creating tension within a scene and then really getting down to the nitty-gritty of sentence structure, word choice, and with a special little focus on writing sex scenes because that's something that often comes Ooh. up for people as uh, <laughs> being something that, you know, can be quite tricky So and getting tension in there as well and, and the emotional tension, really focusing on that. But I do use um, lots and lots of examples. So each week, you know, there are... are four, five, sometimes more examples that I take across different genres so that, you know, I'm trying to cater to people who are writing across a whole lot of different genres and using examples from books. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And you're talking about creating tension for the reader, but I reckon this is really important when you're submitting as well, because I think publishers are going to want that hook straight away too, right? Absolutely. You know, and I've actually got, so I've I've got one cohort going through currently and a couple of the people who are in that group specifically have joined because they said, you know, they've had really good comments from publishers, but one of the comments has been uh, just not grabbing me enough, just Mm -hmm. not enough tension there. So uh, yeah, that is something I think that publishers and agents too, of course, really look for when they're they're looking for people's uh, manuscripts. And, you know, doesn't matter whether the reader is an agent, a publisher, or, you know, a reader picking your book up off the shelf, you want to be able to engage them right from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing better than picking up that book at 6pm and not being able to put it down till 3am, right? We've all done that. And they're like, yeah. how am I supposed to function the next day? But it's totally worth it. Now, I want to ask you, who is this course designed for? So the course is designed for people who have a completed manuscript. Now, when I say that, I mean, you know, at least one draft is finished from the beginning to the end because I always believe you never really know the beginning of your story until you get to the end. And also because we do look at those big picture things like overall plot, structure, you know, the the kind of really whole story type things, you really need to have that full manuscript to get the most out of the course. So that's, that's who I've designed it for. Mm, I love that. And then you've got a lot to work with, don't you? And so is there homework in between those modules? 
There is. So one thing that I've asked people uh, joining the course to do is to choose what I'm calling a model text, where it's a book from their genre that they kind of think, wow, this is the kind of book I want to write, or I really, this book really grabbed me. And so each week there's one exercise where you look at, it might be a scene or it might be the opening or, or some excerpt from that, that model text that you've chosen and do a little bit of an analysis. I think I'm going back to my high school English teacher days there. Um, and the other exercise is a writing exercise where you look at something from your own, um, you know, manuscript, whether that could be rewriting a scene using what you've learned in the module or analysing a scene, uh, either or. But, yeah, so one model text and one uh, writing exercise each week. Mm, I really like that. I love the idea of also picking something from the genre you're writing within and then looking at that, you know, how you want to write because then you're looking at where your book might sit on the shelf with other books that already are published and that's really important. Sometimes it's really important to publishers as well. Definitely. You know, they often will ask you what are the comp titles, what are the books yeah. that you feel that it is like, you know, or that readers that like these books will also like your book. So I think it's good to know where your book sits within that genre for sure yeah absolutely now i know you are very supportive of emerging writers which is you know we're very grateful for that what advice would you give an emerging writer oh so many things <laughs> i could give <laughs> but yeah i think probably harking back to what i said a little earlier and that is to finish your manuscript before you start submitting anywhere because i have had in the past you know people i've done mentoring with or you know emerging or aspiring writers will talk to me and say oh you know, I've got five great chapters, I'm getting really good feedback on them, should I start submitting? And I always say, no, please hold off, because for that reason that so much can change by the time you get to the end of the manuscript. Every time you write a new scene or a chapter, you're learning something more. And by the time you get to the end of it, it could be a completely different book. So mm. my advice, uh, big advice there would be to really hold off submitting anything um, unless, you know, sometimes it could be some kind of, men, you know, mentoring thing where they just ask for three chapters or, or something like that. In that case, it's fine, but definitely not just a general submission to a publisher or agent before you've finished that draft and worked on it. You know, like writing is really rewriting, as we've all heard that mantra many times, and that's definitely the truth. You know, you, you have to have multiple revisions before you can really get it to where you mm. want it to be. Agree, absolutely. So this course kicks off for eight weeks on May 10. Where do we access it? How much is it? Any other information you want to give us? Yeah, okay. So there are kind of limited numbers because the other part of the course is that each week I'll do a Zoom call with the people in the group so that you will uh, and two people each week submit roughly around 500 words and I critique it and then we talk about it in the Zoom call. So you are getting bits of feedback as well from me and from the group. Um, so I'm taking somewhere between eight and 12 in each group that go through. And the other thing is you have lifetime access to the course. So you can always go back, you know, if you get, if life gets a bit busy and you just can't finish a module in that week or whatever, you can go back at any time and revise it or redo it or, or, you know, fit it into your own schedule. The course is $5.99 generally, but at the moment, uh, $4.99 early bird price until April 10. And you can also pay in a couple of instalments. Um, and if anyone has any questions at all, they can email me at Pamela at PamelaCook.com.au.
Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I'm very excited for our all-lady team of April releases for our April release episode, and we welcome some wonderful guests. We have Ray Cairns with her new novel, Dying to Know, Lorraine Peck, The Double Bind, Sandy Docker with The Red Gum River Retreat, and Deb Tibble with her new book, Anchored. Welcome, ladies. Just shout at me all at once. Yay! Yay! It's going to be too hard otherwise. (laughs) So what I want to do first is quick elevator pitch. Uh, Ray, we'll start with you dying to know, tell us what your new book is about. Uh, It's a standalone thriller set in Sydney. It opens with a budding journalist, Geneva Layton, receiving a phone call that changes the entire course of her life. Her terrified sister, Amber, is on the line. She's trapped in the boot of a moving car. She's got no idea who her abductor is and she's begging Geneva for help and then the line drops out. So while the police look for Amber, Geneva's days are filled with taking care of her really young niece and nephew and the days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years. Um, So when... um, Evidence, shocking new evidence emerges. Jen becomes desperate for answers, but to get them, she has to take on the political power of her brother-in-law's family, the muscle of a formidable motorcycle gang, and the questionable support of a policeman who betrayed her in the first month of the investigation. There's a lot but going on there, Ray. There is a lot going on. <laughs> I loved that elevator pitch. It was so compelling and also completely terrifying that I was <laughs> stuck in the boot sort of situation. Yeah. <laughs> I get sort of jittery in elevators, so certainly not going to cope in the boot of a car. Thank you for that. That was amazing and it is an amazing book as well. Uh, Lorraine Peck, the double bind, hit us with your elevator pitch. Sure. It's a... Uh... I have to backtrack a little bit because uh, it is the sequel to The Second Son. And The Second Son is uh, about a Croatian crime family on the streets of Sydney. The eldest son is gunned down in the street and the second son, Johnny Novak, has to step up and seek revenge. And he's married to a nice middle-class Aussie chick who just happened to fall in love with a gangster. As you do. As you do. Because, you know, we all like bad boys. And... uh, uh, they're desperately trying to escape Johnny's crazy Croatian crime family throughout the second son and a whole bunch of other nasty foes, including motorcycle gangs, right? Uh, and for the double bind, they have managed to get up to far northern New South Wales. They've got a new idyllic seaside life. But, of course, it doesn't matter how far you run. You can't really escape your family, can you? 
especially if they're the Novaks. And this time around, they're facing a special forces soldier intent on revenge. A new police investigation has opened up. There is the Mexican connection, bring on the cartel, I said to myself, so I did. (laughs) And uh, Amy is embroiled in a big domestic violence crisis. Her new friend drags her into that. And Sasha, their now 11-year-old son, is growing up super fast, as, of course, the son of a gangster would. And his eyes are wide open and he's seeing a whole lot more than he should be seeing. Wow. Again, lots going on. Very compelling. And I love all of that. Particularly, like I said, bring on the cartel. I mean, why not? We'll talk <laughs> yeah. about how you research that next. Maybe you went undercover or something. Uh, we're going to take a little, uh, you know, change of direction slightly here. We'll head over to Sandy Docker. I don't think you have the cartel in your book unless I missed something. Um, <laughs> give us an elevator pitch on the Red Gum River Retreat. Definitely no cartels. You didn't miss anything. (laughs) (laughs) So the Red Gum River Retreat is the story of single mum Sarah and her daughter Melody, and they've gone through a quite traumatic situation. And post that trauma, Sarah's just trying to hang on and and keep Melody uh, safe and help her heal. They've both got physical and emotional scars from the trauma. She discovers a photo album in the attic one night from her grandmother with photos from the snapshots from Home League in World War II and uh, all taking place in a town called Red Gum River, which Sarah knew nothing about this part of her grandmother's past. When she's investigating Red Gum River, she also learns that there's a music retreat which might be able to help Melody heal. So they all pack up and head off to Red Gum River to see if they can help Melody heal from her trauma and uncover the secrets of grandma's past and while they're there they learn that the past has an awful lot more to do with the present than they thought and it's a story of war and love and loss and heartache and healing and the power of music oh i love all of that and i love it when grandma has a sordid past as well <laughs> <laughs> deb another change of direction here i love how we've got so many different uh, books on screen today or authors of different books deb tell us about picture book anchored yeah, well, Danny, this one's a bit of a soothing tale after all of that trauma. And... Well, we need it. We did it in the right order. We've gone through the mafia, the cartel. We've been locked in boots and we've gone to discover grandma's sordid secrets. Now bring us home. I know, yeah. <laughs> so this this one's about, so Anchored is my new picture book. It's about a big ship and a little tugboat and the transformative power of being anchored in each other's hearts even though they're oceans apart. And so it's for anyone who's ever had to spend time away from someone they love, which, Aww. you know, I guess is really all of us, isn't it? I love that. I love that a lot. And what I do love is that we have on screen today authors of all different books for different ages and different, you know, loves of different genres. I love every genre, but sometimes you're in the mood for something different, right? Mm-hmm. And picture mm-hmm. books, can I just add, are for all ages, Deb. I think they're works of art. And yeah. when I was a high school teacher, I used to teach them to year 12 and made them love them as well, whether they did or not. Um, so I think, yeah, no, you know, I totally agree with you, Danny. Absolutely. I think they, they can distill profound truths, I think, and talk Absolutely. to everybody. Yeah. And they're beautiful. Uh, I'll stick with you, Deb, but I'm going to ask all of you this question. I want to know what you're proud of most with this book. Wow, what I'm proud of. <laughs> Thanks for the curveball. <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> Um, I, I think what I love most about this book or what I'm perhaps proud of is the way 
I've had to wrestle with some of it to get it to get the shape of it right. That in working on it, it wasn't quite right for quite a bit of time. And then um, I'm most proud of the fact. I don't know if I could call it proud. It was just that moment where everything clicked together, and and I came across it was the anchor, the motive of the motive of the anchor that um, really made it all click. And so I guess it's it's that something coming out of striving. And I think the other thing I'm proud of is I do think, like you say, Danny, it does speak to across generations. I've had people, you know, telling me how they want to give this to their, you know, their son who's leaving home at 18. Oh, <laughs> um, it's, yeah. So I think, I think that. Mm. What 18 year old leaves home? My son says he's staying till he's like 40. So <laughs> I've, got, I've got 30 more years. Yeah, it didn't happen in my family either, Danny. <laughs> These days, I'll can afford to move out at 18. Exactly. Um, no, that's a beautiful story, though. Sandy, tell us what are you most proud of with the Red Gum River Retreat? I just Thank like you. saying it. I love the alliteration of all your books. <laughs> Thanks for going first, Deborah, because it gave me time to think. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you'll get your turn, Sandy, Will you get the question first. I'm going to mix it up. <laughs> um, uh, probably two things. One, that I actually got it finished. <laughs> because, no, and yeah no we all agree we understand all modern there was a lot going on behind the scenes when I was trying to to write this um, not only during the pandemic but post pandemic there was a lot of personal drama going on behind the scenes and it was um it was really tough to get it done and I don't know Ray if you were at the great debate at the festival last year and at the end Cassie gave me a bunch of flowers and she said you know for all the trials that Sandy has faced and I burst into tears in front of however many people were there at the festival so which just tells you how tough it was to actually to get there in the end um, and then the other thing I'm proud of is the fact that the early feedback has come in that it is the best one that I've written and my mother sent me a text just yesterday and she very, very rarely praises me to my face. I don't know what she says behind my back, but to my face, it's very, very rare to get any praise from her. And she said, loved it, your best one yet. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So that's a win in my book. Yay. Yeah. So Sandy, maybe you can only write under traumatic experiences. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> What is your new writing process, Sandy? Yeah, no, Extreme external stress. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out in the end. You know, that's that's really important. I do love the colour too. That red is doing Ooh, it for me. Gorgeous. Uh, Ray, what are you most proud of when we are talking about dying to know? Creeping me out. I don't know. That's a pretty proud moment. Time <laughs> the, in the book is creeping me out. Um, I think it was uh, ignoring that critic on my shoulder with the second book um I did get the second book wobbles felt all the pressure more than anything pressure I was putting on myself yeah. um and so learning to just go oh you you can go in the back seat and you can shut up and <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get on with I'm gonna get this um so yeah you gotta sit back there and be quiet I don't want to hear from you um mm. So, yeah, I, it was just getting it that first draft out because once I had the first draft, then I could had something to work with and still had the critic going. But, yeah, learning to kind of overcome that a bit and then just go, right, I'm just going to get this thing done. Mm. And it's interesting too when you say that critical, that self-doubt, because you need some of it, I think, because it makes you work better, but too much of it cripples you. 
it's so true. I think I would worry if I didn't have it. Yeah, because, oh, I'm, I know everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, I, yeah, wait. Luckily, I never have that in my yeah, life. Me neither. <laughs> oh, me neither, <laughs> I love that a lot. Um, Lorraine, can I go to you and ask what you're proud of most um, in your book, The Double Wind? Look, I agree with Ray that the second book is 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 really hard because you 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 pretty much you pretty much convinced your first book was fluke, like that, and you had as long as you needed to have to write it. And mm. the first book went through fourteen drafts between my first draft and what went to print, and it took five years. And the second book, The Double Bind, has gone through four drafts and two years and I'm I'm I guess I'm proud of the fact that I managed to get better at this thing and faster at it um but I still really don't know what I'm doing <laughs> and I am a pantser you know I don't plan anything and for me the first draft is just getting that action line right you know, like mm. how does how do Amy and Johnny get into this terrible situation that I put them in? And then how do I make it really terrible for them and keep making it worse and worse and worse and worse and worse? And then how do I get out of it if I don't plan anything? So there's a lot of walks around the park, you know, <laughs> working it out. And I'm I'm proud of the fact that I was having my first conversation after um, my editor read, read the first draft. And she's telling me all the things that are wrong with it. And there was a hell of a lot of things that were wrong with it. And I said to her, yeah, but the plot works, doesn't it? And there's this silence. Oh, no. As she's thinking to herself, did she not actually just hear everything that was wrong with it? <laughs> but I was calling plot the line of action, I guess yeah. you could say, the moving those two people around from point A to point B. Uh, eventually I kind of got what she was talking about and I was able to dive back into that. Every time you have to dive back into a new edit, it you don't want to go there. You mm. just you just want it to be over, you know? And then and then you dive back in and you suddenly you're swimming again and you you can feel you're getting somewhere, you can feel it getting better. And I'm just proud that I kept diving back in because it was a hard one. It was hard. Mm. <laughs> And so my question for you, Lorraine, to go first this time, uh, does writing get any easier? <laughs> oh, everyone's laughing at me. No. <laughs> I'll take that as a Look, communal no and we'll move on to the next question. Yeah. Look, I think it does in that you, you, know, you know that you can do it. You just have to apply yourself. And for me that is trying to write something every day. Uh, it might not be good. But as long as I keep my subconscious involved by doing some work every day, that definitely helps. Um, now I've written two books. There's a, there's a very good chance that I can convince my inner critic, um, you know, the judge, the victim, uh, that I can write a third book. And I'm really enjoying that writing that third book because it's a standalone. It's got nothing to do with the Novak. So that is fun. So, yes, I think it does get easier because I think I am building my confidence in myself yeah. gradually. <laughs> Deb, what and about you? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. And, and just through the incredible support of the crime writing community mm. in 
in in Australia who are all I mean amazing yeah, it is really amazing it's funny because I sort of flip through you know the social outings between kid lit and crime I know <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> just keeping a balance I am keeping a real weird balance but both are just so as supportive as each other like it's incredible they both have the same vibe and they write very different things for very different audiences so I think in general the writing community is pretty bloody amazing mm. Deb does writing get easier look I think like Lorraine said I it's not so much that it gets easier, but I think I get better quicker, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. I think, um, and in a way, I wouldn't want it to be easy because I think part of the satisfaction is the wrestling with that and the the deep thinking that you're doing along the way. Um, but, yeah, I, I catch myself when things aren't right a lot quicker and I'm far more um, acceptable to, acceptable, that's not the right word, but I'm far better at, at taking feedback and knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Ray, what about you? What they said. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I think it get it is I don't know that it ever gets easy. Um and I would worry if it did. Mm. I think like we go back to that thing of the, the the critic and stuff. But I definitely yeah faster and clearer on the mistakes I'm making if that makes sense Mm. um because I'm also a pants or whatever you call it I I, yeah just write from chronologically through the book and find out what on earth happens (laughs) as I write and I love that and that's an absolute joy for me and maybe I trust that bit more now that Mm. I've done it a whole two times (laughs) um (laughs) I am doing it in my third as well but still um and the community I was going to say that the community around me the the crime community the writing community the uh, just it's extraordinary Australian writing community really do get out there for each other and support each other and it's kind of you'd think people are always saying but your books are in competition and and they're kind of not if you have Mm -hmm. readers they read and and um each time a, another writer has a success we're all there just going yes <laughs> you know we know it's, how it's hard not, it is so it's yeah. something you celebrate mm. um, so i think that 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 part of it now that i'm two books in i have more of a community around me so that's definitely making it easier mm. i mean we're writing some of us are juggling jobs as well and <laughs> outside children and partners and hobbies family and dramas sleep and, and family dramas and to even write the bloody book is an achievement absolutely so I think we when we see that someone else has got a book out and they have success I think that's why we cheer because like wow that's really hard and we just don't yes. have any energy left to be jealous <laughs> it's none I've got none left <laughs> priorities yeah, I yeah. sleep occasionally <laughs> Sandy what about you does writing get any easier uh I'm five books in now starting on my sixth and I don't think it gets easier I think it's just that the challenges are different I I liken it to parenting (laughs) like when you've got a baby there's certain challenges and you think when they become a toddler it will be easier it's not easier it's not worse it's just a different set of challenges when they become teenagers it's not easier it's not worse it's a different set of challenges and I think that's the same with writing, um, the challenges are different. Yeah, what I'm really, really good analogy. To, it is it's a great yeah. analogy. What I'm really looking forward to, Sandy, is the colour of the sixth book because they're <laughs> sitting behind you. We've got a navy blue, pink, a light blue, a red, and an orangey yellow. And I'm like, what could possibly has to be green, right? 
I don't know. I don't get to say that. So. <laughs> well, just a heads up. I said it first here. So. <laughs> Sandy, this time I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, I think we talk about the positive aspects and we do touch on how difficult it is to write a book. But I actually want to know from each of you what you think in your different journeys or on different you know, journeys with the amount of books and how long we've been in the industry. What has been the most challenging thing about the publishing industry for you? I think it is that when you first start and even now for me, you don't know what you don't know mm. and you don't always know the right questions to ask along the journey. So if I took the knowledge that I have now after five books and applied that back to when my debut came out, it, it would have been a very different experience. And I'm sure if the powers that be allow me to write more and more books that when I get up to number eight, then I'll look back at number five and go, wow, I wish I'd known that. So I think that's what it is. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Mm, I like that. Deb, what about you? Apart from actually how hard it is to get your book published, um, I think probably the whole publicity thing that you've got to do afterwards I guess I'm sort of stuck in that at the moment. My book's released today and it's that whole, oh, how many Instagram posts am I allowed? A million, a million a day, Deb. <laughs> and if I if I post this one, will that negate the other one? And <laughs> If you post a million a day, I'll like them all. <laughs> so I guess for me it's that. It, it's not so much the writing and the and the the editing and the the getting it, you know, the working and the, like I love that collaboration with um with publishers and illustrators and and I love the community I love all of that um yeah for me it's just having to put yourself out there mm, when when it's when it's published and I like what you say about publicity because it's really hard I do a bit of publicity um in a publishing house small publishing house and you, you can imagine how difficult that is and even when I speak to publicists from really big houses like nobody really knows what works, you know, like we try yeah. and put here and we get this media here and we try this here and no one actually knows what works. So it's very difficult. And then when you're the author having to do a part of that as well, which is now a part of author's job as well as, yeah. you know, your publicist, mm -hmm. um, it's really tough to know, you know, how many hours in each day, you know, we overthink how many posts should we be doing, blah, blah, blah. But I just think if you're one of those people who only go on social media occasionally, you're only going to see occasional posts anyway. Right? But if you're on there all the time, well, then you're going to see more posts. So I don't think it's about, you know, I think we all worry that we're annoying people. <laughs> I don't have to ration. I don't have to ration no, my, my don't. Just dump them all. <laughs> I don't know. Don't actually listen to my advice. It's probably wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying I just reckon we overthink it. Just do whatever you bloody want because <laughs> no one knows what works. And when you do know what works, come and tell me. <laughs> um, Lorraine, what about you? Hardest thing that you've discovered about the publishing industry? It's the emotional roller coaster mm -hmm. for me. Uh, and I'm an overthinker. Um, and, you know, I overanalyze everything. And uh, having your debut in the middle of a pandemic is, you know, is, is not ideal. And the whole publicity roadshow that was supposed to happen prior to mm. my book coming out in uh, my first book coming out in 2021 uh everything that was supposed to happen in 2020 where i was out meeting booksellers and going to conferences i mean there was this massive roadshow happening prior 
None of that happened, of course. And um, my publisher texts are in Melbourne and I'm in Sydney. So we didn't see each other for three and a half years. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and so you, there was, there was particularly because I didn't have the community, the full community of support that I, I have now. You do feel like you're, you're doing it on your own and you don't know what you're doing and you don't know if you're doing it well or right. And it's such a high. You know, it's such an incredible high publishing your first book. Your first book is getting published. Oh, my God. And then, you know, eight weeks later, everyone's moved on. Mm-hmm. It's over. Mm-hmm. And you're left going. <sighs> so you, what I, I've learned over the last two years between that book and this is that I need to pace myself. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm just like, you know, just like, um, you said, it, but I, I'm, I think I'm getting better at keeping myself a bit more emotionally even, you know, because I can't control any of it, yeah. you know. All that control is outside of me, so it doesn't matter how hard I, I try. I've just got to do my best and be me, and it'll all be okay in the end. Mm, I love <laughs> trust, all of that. Trust in the universe to provide. <laughs> trust in the universe and then it gives us COVID. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, what about you? Hardest thing about the publishing industry? Um, at the risk of making myself sound neurotic. Um, please, please. We welcome that here. The lack of control, I think. it's um, And that began for me when I first, I couldn't get my first book published. Um, I kept coming close and then my agent closed her agency and like there was just a lot of hits to take and and there were things I had no it didn't matter how hard I pedaled it it wasn't I couldn't make things change and then even handing my book over to a team of people after I'd self-published was I had to really let go and go okay that you know, you guys are the experts, you do it and I'll just do I mean I love the feedback, don't get me wrong, the feedback and the editing, I will do that to the cows come home because I learn every time from people. I love it. But um yeah, some of the, the lack of control and and like in, in the crazy publicity period, which I love, but it's you've got to flick between this really solitary um quiet time on your own where you're in your own head and you're in your own stories and then all of a sudden you're this out in public and you're talking and you're juggling between the story you're writing and the story that you've just you know that's just been released and and so it's just yeah but I love it I wouldn't do anything else but it is hard that handing your baby over and then putting it out in the world and going it's no longer mine Over to you guys. If you know you love it or hate it, that's your business, I guess. If you hate it, just keep that opinion to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't go directly to Goodreads. Love of God. <laughs> okay. Uh, final question, which I always ask. So we'll whip around a bit of a elevator pitch to end us. Uh, Lorraine, why do you write? Because I love to read. Oh, I've always been a very avid reader. I could read when I was three, apparently. Um, I remember Beth dying in Little Women and how that impacted me for days. And uh, reading, you know, just allows my imagination to go crazy. 
Mm. And I I just always wanted to be able to do that myself. I've always wanted to be a writer. And uh, I, I just finally kind of work. I, I, I woke up in my middle age and said to myself, what are you waiting for? Just do it. Just learn to write. So I did a couple of writing courses and one thing led to another and and here I am and there's no way I could stop now. And I know a lot of writers, you know, they've been writing journals their whole lives. You know, they've been writing stories their whole lives. I've never done that. I've never been able to keep a diary going for more than three weeks. But, God, I love writing crime thrillers. <laughs> so much fun. If you were part of the cartel, your journals would have been very different. You could have kept writing them. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Sandy, why do you write? I think because I have a thousand stories inside my head and if I didn't write, I would end up in a loony bin <laughs> <laughs> because they've got to come out somehow and um, and I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. Well, I look forward to your publisher thinking of a thousand colours for your thousand upcoming books, <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> uh, Deb, why do you write? Probably write for two reasons. One is the process of writing. So I just love it. I love the puzzling things out. I love the pondering and the thinking. I love the surprises that happen along the way. And I love that, you know, when you think that it's done, it's almost like you've created this little mini miracle and that's really addictive. <laughs> so I do it for that. And then I think the other is the outcome. And I guess I'm doing it to share something with kids that will delight them or comfort them or somehow help them to navigate the world that they live in. Mm, I love that. I love the, um, you know, creating that magic and I think all books are that. But I also like being honest with the process too and talking about the difficulties because we see these gorgeous books and we're like, oh, it must be so easy. But yeah, obviously and... there's, a, there's a lot that goes behind that. No, but that's the... that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, wow, it is. I've actually, I've, I've done this. <laughs> mm, yeah, and a lot of work goes into picture books too. I mean, you know, 250 to 500 words, whatever they are. Uh, a lot of a lot of work goes into that. I was pleasantly surprised when I first published. Them. I was like, "Whoa, there's a lot of thinking about 500 words." <laughs> <laughs> Ray, why do you write? Because uh, I love to spend time with my imaginary friends. <laughs> Are they um, here tonight? A bit like Sandy, I have lots of uh, people in my head, characters in my head. <laughs> Um, I'm always asking what if when I'm out and about, when I'm around other people, I'm a shocking um, eavesdropper. Ooh. Oh, just shocking. I can sit that. in a cafe and listen to people's conversations for hours. And I'm always trying to kind of understand why people do what they do. Mm. So for me, writing is that process and hoping within that that people are complex, that interests me and if if you can get empathy for other people in the world through writing stories and showing that things aren't as simplistic as it, they always might seem, then then that's for me, that that's a passion for me, that mm -hmm. we have empathy for other people and that we, we have more understanding for other people. I love all of that. And if anyone is at a cafe sitting next to Ray, be warned, you'll be in her next crime thriller, maybe <laughs> in the boot of a car. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute joy I've really enjoyed this ladies night in with our waters and our teas and our non-alcoholic champagne so I've really enjoyed this chat and your honesty and vulnerability um, 
you know, congratulations on all your releases this month and may they sell bajillions. Thank you, Fanny. It was so much fun.